Hey, a big hello and big welcome to episode 37 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles, and yes, we are already back with the next episode. The season is just screaming by. And with that said, this episode and many others are going to start kind of focusing on, so what happens now after the 2022-2023 trade deadline and the season is quickly coming to a close or conclusion. So there's lots of things to discuss. Undoubtedly, one could just go countless different ways on this discussion, but let's start with what has to be the two biggest elephants in the room to finish off this season with, as well as head into the offseason, and what will be the status of these players when the regular season begins next year. And undoubtedly, everyone knows, I'm sure at this point, we have to be talking about Carey Price and Brendan Gallagher. Well, let's begin with the easier or more straightforward of the two situations. Carey Price, what's known? He's all but officially retired, and and I think everybody's got a pretty good guess that it's not official because he has to be able to collect the rest of his contract on LTIR. Unfortunately, his insurance policy, like other sports, where there's policies out there by like Lloyd's of London, doesn't allow a player to just go away, retire, and collect on the balance provided that they don't just play. So unfortunately, Carey Price needs to remain on LTIR, which will be an impact on the team financially, not because of any other reason other than his contract won't come off the books. Nothing, nothing more personal than that. But I think everybody knows that's pretty much where he is. It's all but official at this point. And because because of that insurance scenario, he can't just walk away. Who in the right mind would give up that kind of contract? I mean, at $10.5 million per year annually, would you walk away from it? I sure wouldn't. It's also not a secret that Carey Price is either in the process of, maybe by this point, according to some reports out there, is selling his residence in Montreal. Being that he's from Western Canada, it would not require any type of inside information, knowledge, or require someone graduated as a rocket scientist from an Ivy League or prestigious university of any kind to determine that he will likely return to Western Canada just like Shea Weber did, who are both ironically from Western Canada. That being said, there are other options. His wonderful wife and family are from the Seattle metropolitan area, which is always an option as well. Even after a very lengthy and deep thought process, one has to come to the conclusion that one of these two options will be where he relocates to. Now, back to Carey Price's contract for a second. There could be some enticement for a team that is in a very long rebuild process. One might say, wasn't that the Montreal Canadiens? No, not really. I think Montreal's rebuild process is going to be shorter than a lot of other ones due to some excellent recent drafts by the prior management. A fantastic draft so far by the new management, given that equals all the great prospects now already in the pipeline. In addition to all the ones that already made it this year on the roster as well, throw that in with the 2023 draft and Montreal is in a really good position. Now, just deviating from the price contract for a second, if Montreal also happens to land that third coveted first round pick in this year's draft and all of those picks happen to be at least in the top 15 really awesome if they were in the top 10 one would have to think that it would accelerate their process versus other teams in the league at a much much quicker rate 
Now, back to Carey Price's contract. So there is the enticement that perhaps a team that is looking to stay above or in compliance with minimum league requirements per the collective bargaining agreement as to the tops and bottom limits of player salary payroll rules and things like that, that would be another option. So with that said, one could kind of gaze into a scenario where what teams might be possibly interested in acquiring his contract? Well, there's three that I came up with. The Vancouver Canucks. Carey Price is from the British Columbia region of Western Canada. Therefore, there's that local deeper connection scenario where the fans obviously are going to have a local boy with the organization. Now, the unfortunate part about that is he's not going to play for them either, but that might give them some contract wiggle room. That might evolve into his contract wrapping up with them and then becoming a member of the organization, say, in a scouting position or a goaltending coach where he either works with current goaltenders at the NHL level or at the AHL level, or he becomes a scout looking for future talent, most likely based out of the Western Hockey League. Obviously, that's where he's going to be geographically located, but maybe it evolves into one of those two options for the Vancouver Canucks. Now, of course, the first question everybody's going to ask is, oh my God, what's coming back for Montreal? Well, you know, it's interesting. The Carey Price, what could I get for him discussions dates all the way back to middle years of the Mark Bergevin administration when somebody was said, we need a center, we need a center, a good center, a number one or two center. And Mark Bergevin's response was, what do you want me to trade Carey Price to get him? Unfortunately, he could have probably fetched that type of talent back then. Now, with this scenario, with the Vancouver Canucks, I would say at best you get a seventh round pick, which people would say that just isn't right. Well, you got to kind of look at the condition of the player we're talking about or a later previous draft choice or prospect agreed upon between the general managers of the two clubs. Unfortunately, that's kind of what you're looking at at this point for a value of price. At least at that point, honestly, in this in this scenario, the bigger achievement for Montreal would be, well, you can say at least you got something for him. More importantly, his contract is off the books and his life is moving forward and has brought closure to this by this transaction to the organization. And the organization is moving on from it. Not saying that's a great thing. Not saying that's something that somebody always wanted. It's like, boy, hey, I can't wait for that day. Obviously, not the way people wanted things to end up. But one has to do the best possible job that they can for all parties to resolve the situation. Option two, or the second team that might be a possibility, Seattle Kraken. Now, people would say right off the bat, well, heck, they didn't take him in the expansion draft when he was still playing. They probably did their homework, I'm guessing, with their medical staff going, mm-mm, nope, he is not ready and may never play again. So, why would I even throw that team into the equation? Again, where Vancouver is the province or the main city within the province that he's from, his wife is from the Seattle metropolitan area. And, in this case, the rest of this trade works out, in this case, with the same exact scenario as Vancouver, where he could end up as an LTIR cap relief for the team, where they may be able, as they're, again, the most recent expansion team in the league, maybe still building a little bit, and that might buy them some time. His wife is from there, 
And there's several options in that area. In addition to the carbon copy of the Vancouver Canucks, where he could be a goaltending coach for them or a Western Hockey League scout for them, as there's lots of teams such as the Seattle Thunderbirds, the Everett Silvertips, the Tri-City Americans, the Spokane Chiefs, lots of teams just in the state of Washington in the Western Hockey League. Also, theoretically, he could go to work for one of them. Who knows? Maybe he's the next NHL player that becomes a general manager at the junior level, working his way back to the National Hockey League. So there's those options there as well. Who knows? Option three, and it wouldn't be complete if we tossed in everybody's favorite franchise to dump players onto that date all the way back to when they acquired Pavel Datsuk from the Detroit Red Wings to eat up those remaining years of that contract. And of course, we're talking about the one and only Arizona franchise. Arizona is that franchise that I was talking about earlier where Montreal's rebuild process is probably going to be quicker and shorter than a lot of the other teams. Who can even predict when this team is going to become competitive, if they will become competitive, if they remain in Arizona? The league certainly wants them to, but there's a lot of tempting scenarios that if that arena situation doesn't work out well, Houston's looking good. Kansas City's looking good and already has an arena. One has to wonder about Portland, Oregon for that geographical continued fit for the Pacific Division. I mean, I would love, personally, my favorite choice would be Arizona Folds and goes to Quebec because I think the Nordiques and Canadians outside of the Canadians and Bruins has been the best sports rivalry, bar none, everywhere. And contrary to what a lot of people say, I think Quebec is a fantastic market for the United States and Canada in the National Hockey League together. And I think the NHL misses the Quebec Nordiques franchise more than they'll ever willing to admit or going to admit. I think that would be a fantastic reigniting of a great rivalry. I do understand Montreal obviously has market concerns that way. They want to be the one and only show in town, but still, I think that would be great for both those franchises. Ticket sales, merchandise sales, league interest, league competition, a rivalry, like I said, other than the Montreal Canadiens and the Boston Bruins, there's just nobody else there. Anyways, I'm getting off topic with the Arizona Coyotes. They would be that probably perfect organization to be able to bury Price's contract as to they are probably at least five years right now from competing very consistently, if you will. They got some great draft choices like Logan Cooley. I hope that kid has a really good career there. I hope they are ready to compete on a very competitive level when he arrives. I would hate to see that kind of talent wasted and just kind of floundering in the deep abyss of a team that has no idea where it's going. That would be horrible. But they too would be an option as a place to bury Price's contract and take on that contract. That being said, I don't see any of the goaltending coach, any of those types of opportunities existing here after his contract expires. That doesn't seem to be a legitimate option, whereas he would want to likely move to or relocate back to Seattle or the Vancouver, British Columbia area, respectively, and things like that. I don't foresee him saying, yeah, I want to live in the desert. It's just not his style that way. Now, once again, of course, just like with Vancouver, what does Montreal get back? Well, in the cases of Seattle, as well as this Arizona discussion we're now having, got to be nothing more than a seventh round pick, a previous late round draft prospect that was agreed upon by general managers. Unfortunately, Carey Price just is not going to obtain 
anything more than that for Montreal. Again, in all three situations, the biggest two things has to be to bring closure to this unfortunate scenario and to just finalize that contract and get it off the books and moving forward for the Canadians. Unfortunately, that's the biggest what do I get for all of this scenario regarding Carey Price. Now, taking a deep breath for a moment here, the second elephant in the room, obviously Brendan Gallagher. Unfortunately, His love and passion for the game has taken its toll on his body and shortened his career. It's really unfortunate because I believe, I mean, if you can't admire Brendan Gallagher's love, passion for the game, heart of a lion, heart of a team, soul, living human being. I, I don't know how else to put it other than that, and that sounds weird, I know. But this guy is, the terms like, is somebody all in? Is somebody committed? Can you count on that guy? I think was defined by people like Brendan Gallagher. I mean, you just can't help but just admire the guy. The guy has given truly everything that a player possibly could. As a matter of fact, he actually reminds me of a player that was that exact kind of player for the Canadians in the 70s, and that's Bob Gainey. Bob Gainey and Brendan Gallagher, and it's funny, they both have the same initials in their first and last name. Just thought of that. But they are a carbon copy of that. They leave it all on the ice, leave nothing unearthed or uncovered. They give everything they got. Brendan Gallagher has played hurt. Everybody obviously knows who's followed the Canadians' great history. Bob Ganey at times. Not only was he referred to as the greatest hockey player ever by the Russian coach, Viktor Tikhanov, but played literally with dual shoulder separations in slings that he had under his jersey during games. If that doesn't tell you to find somebody's toughness, wow. I mean, there's players in other sports that's like, Coach, I got a hangnail, I can't play. Holy cow. I mean, these guys are it. I mean, if you want heart and soul players, this is the kind of guy in Brendan Gallagher you want. And there isn't a general manager in the world that wouldn't want at least five of those on his team or a full roster of 20. Now, of course, people would say, well, can you have a roster full of five foot nine guys? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the attitude and just tenaciousness and commitment that he has to the game. Every general manager wishes they had a roster full of that kind of player. And that's not a swipe at hockey players. I'm not saying there's some out there that don't care or that are lackadaisical. He's just an extreme of that, and his body has shown everybody how he's paid the price for that. However, his injuries, unfortunately, have rendered him almost similar to Carey Price. He can still play where Carey Price isn't and can't even get up the stairs. At least he can still play, but it has been really really spotty couple games here couple games there maybe he comes back for 10 or 15 and that for him is a long return streak right now because again he has been out the majority of this year which i don't think he was expecting to be i honestly believe the offseason regimental i don't know if you want to call them workout practices but plan in general whether that was laid out in combination with Martin St. Louis and the medical staff or somebody totally different, I really believed he thought, hey, this is going to switch things and I'm going to have a good, productive, and healthy year. And unfortunately, it has not happened even closely. But the weird part about Brendan Gallagher's situation, it, it is almost a carbon copy of Price 
himself because the sole difference really they both have very large contracts that potentially are eating up a lot of the cap they're both injured but right now prices injuries has rendered him all but officially unretired whereas gallagher has still played somewhat and can come back again and still play but other than that there's a lot of similarities between these two players and between these two players you are talking 17 million annually 10.5 in the case of Carey Price 6.5 in the case of Brendan Gallagher that's a lot of contract and Gallagher's contract even goes one year further than Carey Price's contract does ironically and yet another similarity between these two players is what you're going to get in return once again and we'll talk about a couple of the teams that Brendan Gallagher might appeal to you're only going to get up front either a seventh round pick or a conditional previously later round pick prospect that general managers agree on the one thing that Gallagher has going for him that price isn't really an option to negotiate within a trade is the fact that if Gallagher was to get traded to another team you could verbally word the trade where within his remaining years of his contract if he was to come back and play an entire season in one of those years and in the playoffs then maybe he becomes a third or a second round pick at the complete end and that draft year of his contract but that would have to be a very specifically worded and before anybody goes what the hell kind of contract is that there's been contracts that have been worded that way there's been the what Hewlett Packard loves to call the what if factor if if all the stars align and this happens I get this are you in agreement with that Oh yeah, all right, sure. Because in both directions, one would say, first of all, why would somebody agree to that? But on the other hand, one says, well, hey, if all that happens, then yeah, I'll give you that because I know what kind of player I'm getting and what he could mean to our team. So there's a lot of scenarios that could make that work. Will he ever do that again? Well, based on his last three years, probably not, but it doesn't hurt. If you can get it worded in there and he suddenly just has that resurgent, recovered career year hey you lucked out the timing worked out for you now as for what teams might brendan gallagher be traded to well brendan gallagher i think to a large extent his injuries i think his injuries have to do a lot with where he plays and i don't mean the city of montreal as far as the fan base or anything else i don't think the guy's good in the cold weather anymore and i know that probably sounds like a weird way to start off where could he play but i think a lot of his injuries are exacerbated or enhanced if you will or prefer by weather related issues let's be honest canada makes winners in a lot of other places look tame okay if you can survive a canadian winter whether it be in the province of ontario alberta wherever it is that's an achievement okay there's not a lot of other areas at least in north america i mean there is alaska there is international falls minnesota and there's some areas that just get once in a while rocked by a hell of a winter but canada gets that on a regular basis i mean if somebody says i am truly cut out to survive harsh winters they define it so with that said the las vegas golden knights obviously the desert obviously a very competitive team obviously his skill set when healthy would fit exceptionally well on that team okay second team might be the dallas stars maybe a little bit too much humidity in that area could be a problem i mean especially when you're talking joints and related problems to them moisture cold all those things can affect a player and of course once again just like we had with Carey price got to include the arizona franchise because that is just the contract acquisition landfall 
I mean, just the, like, the treasure chest of, so where do I put my contracts, or where do I bury my contracts, or who do I bury my contracts with? Arizona's always on that list, and again, like the Las Vegas Golden Knights, they are a desert state. And again, if they're looking to really pump up some compliancy with the team payroll cap scenario issues, certainly players like Gallagher and Carey Price have to be very appealing to them for that. Now, let's move on to the other players that we're talking about that need to be somewhere else by next year. And I can't think of a better person next to start off with than the one and only Jonathan Duran, who can't even make it to a player's meeting or a team meeting on time. You know... I'm the first one that likes to have some compassion for players, cut them some slack, say, hey, man, look what they're dealing with. Look at all their injuries. And in his case, mental fatigue, whatever was bothering him. Again, not making fun of any of that. I know some people could easily say, oh, it sounds like you're being sarcastic, making fun of that. No, it's a real deal, man. And I hope he's okay. That being said, when you start seeing lackadaisical behavior, Ah, your opinion's got to change a little bit. You got to start going, huh, what is this player's commitment? I mean, whether he is in the mood, whether he is, I don't know, fill in the blank, whatever that might be, he's making five and a half million dollars a year. Earn it. Do your job. And if he doesn't like it that much, then he should have done his part either through his agent or direct conversation with Canadians management during the trading season of this year going, look, I just, I can't. This isn't working out. This isn't what I thought it was. Whatever the reason, and I'm not saying it's going to be a good or a bad one or that I'm going to blame him. But at that point, that's on you, the individual, to step up and make changes and make something happen. It's nobody else's job to read your mind. Nobody's entitled to anything. Nobody, well, you should have known that based on how I was acting. Nope, all on you, man. And Jonathan Duran just needs to go. He, other than people that we've talked about with big contracts, just by work ethic, and I've even heard recently how he's supposedly a great team guy, great guy in the locker room. This isn't a great example to lead by. He needs to go away. And of course, right up there in the same conversation, Joel Armia, Mr. Lackluster himself, kind of appears once every, I don't know, 20, 22 games, has a wow kind of game. You're like, where's that guy been? And then just goes back into hiding. Duran obviously isn't going to fetch the Canadians anything at this point if they couldn't trade him during the trade deadline. So he's going to walk for nothing. And for the people that sit there and go, oh, well, you know, maybe we should uh, sign him to another one-year, $1 million contract. No, no. Either give that to an AHL prospect that has at least earned it or just take a million dollars outside and burn it in a campfire because you're going to get more for it. In the case of Joel Armia, unfortunately, he still has time on his contract. So there's one of two options there. Either he also gets traded to a team for a seventh-round pick, or maybe he gets loaned to a European League team, like one from his native country in Finland, who before this season started had a phenomenal tournament with and was a far different player than he's been on the Canadiens roster for virtually the last three years. But that needs to be resolved as well. He needs the goal. Paul Byron's contract, of course, is going to come to a completion and... Unfortunately, at least in his case, he was injured. Not that I wish that happened to him at all, because I don't. He was a good team player, a good team leader. I will show you how to do things by leading by example on the ice. He was a good player. Unfortunately, injuries just destroyed him like they're doing with Brendan Gallagher. 
Of course, this brings us to Mike Hoffman, and Mike Hoffman is interesting. Mike Hoffman this year has kind of had a, a glimmer, I'll call it, at least a glimmer of hope, and maybe would be appealing to somebody who's just looking for a shooter from a great passer. Maybe the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid or Leon Drysaddle, just plant Hoffman at the top of that circle on either side and let him be the shooter that gets that great pass. Maybe Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Melkin in Pittsburgh might be another one. Maybe Barzell. In the, with the New York Islanders. But again, at this point, his totals now might get you more than a really late round pick, but I'd be surprised still if you get much more than a fifth or a fourth round pick for him. So maybe holding on to him and maybe he has more of a interesting season next year in his last year of his contract, but he needs to be moved along as well. That just isn't it. He is, again, another acquisition. Montreal was hoping that would... Light a fire, be something special, add a different dimension to the team. Not happening even closely while he's been there. Maybe playing with somebody like McDavid or Dreisaitl or Latang, Crosby, and Melkin. Maybe that'll light a fire under him. Maybe he'll sit there and go, wow, I'm with great talent, so now i got to perform. I don't know, but something's got to change there too. Here's a player move that I'm going to propose that might just get a little pushback, but allow me to explain why I would do this. Jake Evans to the Minnesota Wild. Why? Fits their system. He'd be good with them. He'd fit in with them. Why would I then move him off the Montreal Canadiens roster? Because he's a good defensive center? Because Montreal has more of them. I honestly have to wonder... If you had Lucas Condotta, Rem Picklick, Jake Allen as your third and fourth line centers, would you really notice a difference? They're all good defensive centers. None of them are going to light it up offensively. You're not talking about Nick Suzuki. You're not talking about Kirby Doc. You're not even talking about Sean Monahan when he was healthy. You're not talking about Owen Beck. You're not talking about Riley Kidney. And those guys are even juniors I'm bringing into the discussion. But you'd have to say at this point, in comparison, would have to be more offensively minded and gifted than those three guys are. And that's not a bad thing. You need a good defensive center. Here's the reason I'd move him. He's injured. He's starting to get that injury-plagued history. He was injured this year and has missed a lot of games. He was injured last year, missed a lot of games. On top of that, his game at times, like so many other players in the Canadians at times, looks great. Most of the time, he's a ghost. And again, Montreal's got a lot of depth. There's a lot of guys that have earned the opportunity. They're still in that phase where they can provide those opportunities. Why not? Again, let's see what you got. Let's rotate it. Fresh talent. And maybe he goes on to be healthy with Minnesota. Who knows? But again, there's an injury issue with this organization. And there's a lot of different levels of things that need to change with that. Next, I would seriously consider moving Rem Pitlick to Dallas for like a fourth or fifth round pick. He would fit in with their team. And now that brings us to if there was anybody out of all the players that have been talked about all year, whether it be on my podcast or any other source, the only guy that I would consider re-signing is Sean Monahan. Why? Because when he was healthy, when he first came to the city, he immediately plugged into the team. He fitted in with the team. He was productive. He was a mentor to people like Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Kirby Doc, and others. He assumed any role and looked comfortable at it that the head coach, Martin St. Louis, put him in. So that's a lot of things going for a player. Again, unfortunately, his main issue of concern is his health. So, with an incentive-laden contract that has a base of $2 million or $2.5 million, I'd see Engage what his interest is. Make it a one-year. 
You know, if he's like, well, I like it here. I want to stay. I'm really not ready to move. Has all those kinds of discussions. A one-year contract is perfect. Maybe at the end of that one year, he actually for his sake, I hope, has a incredibly healthy year playing at least 80 out of 82 games in a regular season for the poor guy. Would be nice to see. And he decides to stay. I mean, he is only 27, 28 years old, so he's still relatively young. And if you're going to keep somebody around that's older in that time of age, then he would be one of those players, because there's some other players we'll get to here in a minute. That would be the one guy that I would keep. If nothing else, it prolongs it another year, and guess what? You've got another trade deadline coming up in the 2024 season, and maybe you flip them for something at that and get a heck of a lot more than virtually nothing this year. Now, let's start wrapping up this episode or bringing things to a close by starting to talk about the two remaining players of interest that would make the most sense for Montreal to trade if they're really trying to and are obsessed with obtaining that third first round pick in the 2023 draft. And that is Josh Anderson and Christian Dvorak. Let's start with Christian Dvorak because we'll leave Josh Anderson just to the very end because I know that's the player that most people really want to get into. So with Christian Dvorak, he's a good third line center. He has a higher face-off percentage win than a lot of other people do. He's still 27, 28 years old. He's in the prime of his contract. He has a very digestible contract with an annual hit of $4.5 million. Very easy for a team to take on. So there's teams such as maybe, let's say, Carolina, Las Vegas, Dallas, Minnesota, the New York Islanders, that would be willing to part with a first-round pick. Because most likely, a lot of those teams, maybe with the exception of the Islanders, are going to finish in the bottom third of the first round, meaning that their draft choices are going to be somewhere between 20 and 30, okay? Not 31 or 32, because I doubt any of those teams are going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, but between 20 and 30 is very likely for the majority of those teams. And that would be appropriate or adequate compensation for Christian Dvorak by one of those teams. And he would probably go on to play much better with them because he would have a defined role. Wouldn't be expected to be a top six forward. Would expect to be a high face-off percentage winning defensive center. And that's really what he is. Now, one could say, why isn't there a place for that for him in Montreal? Again, there's other players that can do that. They're cheaper. And once again, just in case you haven't had enough injury news, he too has joined the long list of injuries for the team this year and is out with season-ending knee problems that he's already had surgery on. So he's gone for the year. What a plus. More injuries in case you just wanted some more. Which brings us to Josh Anderson. And Josh Anderson has a number of things going for him from a Canadian's perspective right now. He might just finish this year with 30 or more goals. For that, it would be a career high for him. For that, it would be a great trade addition as far as weight in the corner of him regarding engaging interest from other clubs, which should up his trade value. Which, on top of those issues, we have head coach John Tortorella's comments from Philadelphia earlier of how he loved Josh Anderson playing for him in Columbus and would love to have him in Philadelphia. And by God, if he can land you Philadelphia's first-round pick, that is a trade I would make one-for-one for for him because that's probably going to be a top-seven or a top-eight pick in the draft. And that would certainly be adequate compensation. I know people. some people will go, oh, you got to get more than a first-round pick. Well, if you're drafting somebody in the top eight, that's pretty good compensation, and it's going to be hard to pull more than that out of the Philadelphia Flyers unless you package some other things to go along with him. Not big assets, but maybe things like a prospect 
say, a Jacob Olfson throwing goaltender Caden Primo. And I'm not saying throw these guys in for nothing, but that might make you get more overall in the trade. And of course, Caden Primo is an interesting scenario here because his uncle and dad, respectively Wayne and Keith Primo, played for the Flyers. So there's a connection there. And he's fairly local. I mean, Voorhees, New Jersey makes him really local for not only the Jersey Devils, but for the Philadelphia Flyers as well, as we've discussed previously. So that could certainly obtain not only that third first round pick in the 2023 draft, but also a third pick in the top 10, which would be really fantastic for the Montreal Canadiens. So, with that said, thank you so much for tuning into episode 37 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles, and it's just like rapid fire from here on out right into next season. There's just going to be no slowdown in topics. There hasn't been, especially in the last couple years. I can't wait to be back with every single issue. Have a fantastic week and enjoy your summer as it continues to get closer and closer.